Welcome to the Quintessential Being Podcast. Here, you'll find conversations with epic souls that offer fresh perspectives, cultivate awareness, and invite acceptance for you to experience wholeness right now. Join me, Nikki O'Brien, as I dive deep with these beautiful beings of light. Hello, you gorgeous woman, Crystal Wilson. I am so so excited to be sitting in front of you, to be chatting to you and to finally have you on the podcast. I feel like this has been in the making for like, <laughs> I don't even know how long, but you're finally here. We finally get to have this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me, babe. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. Uh, today, yeah, today we're going to be talking about a big one and it's kind of making me emotional already it's healing the sister wound we're going to be talking about those different layers and the nuances around that but before we jump into that full steam ahead because I know you and I can get real deep real quick Mm -hmm. let's can we can you introduce yourself tell us you know your work in the world and how you kind of arrived here because I know you coach some women in some pretty big and powerful transformation and healing so how did you get here babe Wow, that's a, such a big question. How did I get here? Well, I'm a women's, you know, empowerment coach, mindset coach. I'm trained in lots of different modalities and all the things. But what's most important is probably my body of work, which is, you know, I help women to heal their relationship with themselves because that's where everything starts, begins and ends is like how we see ourselves is how we see the world. And so helping women to really break up with that inner dialogue, I call it like the inner mean girl, that inner bullshit that we believe about ourselves. That's not true. So helping women to heal that relationship with themselves, like break up with all of that bullshit that they're carrying around, whether that be like trauma or pain or sister wounds or like whatever it is, the stuff that's blocking them so they can step into the most, you know, empowered version of themselves. So that's kind of the body of work. And there's lots of different things that I do in the realm of that body of work, which I'm so grateful to do. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for that. And like a little nutshell introduction. I know it's such a huge question. Yeah, I was like, how did you answer this, Nikki? Like, that is like such a huge, how did you end up here? Well, in 1984, like, so let me give you the like short version. I love it. You did it so, so eloquently. Thank you. So we are talking about the sister wound. Let's just dive straight in. So what is the sister wound? If someone's listening and they have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, that's a great question. The sister wounds and my interpretation, my experience with myself and then also working with other women, it's that wound where like betrayal sits, like feeling unsafe with other women sits, feeling like women are not safe, like that women betray you, hurt you, let you down, backstab you, talk about you, pretend to be one way to you, then one way behind your back. Like it's this really this unsafety in being around women, letting women in, letting women close, or when you have let women in, then you've got evidence of them betraying that trust. It sounds like, oh, I don't have a sister, so I can't have a sister. No, that's not the case. I think that's really good to also touch on is it's it's really about the relationship woman to woman where there can be a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and then women carry that pain And that wound stays open because they don't know that their jealousy or envy or their competitiveness, all of those things kind of sit in the sister wound. And that wound is open and it kind of bleeds. And then for a lot of women, they build up walls. So then they become hard and closed, sitting more in their masculine and really not 
letting other women in anymore. So they disconnect from like their own femininity to protect mm. themselves. I mean, it's such a deep question. Like it's like, oh, I, think I know. Funny. It really is, but I love the way that you covered that. And oh, there's so many different directions I want to go. One, I feel like as you were talking, I was like, do you think that like movie culture and pop culture has a lot to do with the sister wound? Let's just start there because otherwise I'll ask you five million questions oh, wow. and you're like, which direction okay. do I go, Nikki? Okay. I want to know what you think. I'm like, well, that's such well, an interesting I don't question. know. It was just like, I, like, where did that yeah. come from? Like, I didn't see us going here. I love it. <laughs> Well, like, first of all, I was like, I wondered whether it stems from the mother wound. But then everything that was coming to me as you were talking was like, I also feel like there's a big fucking part that's like societally programmed for us, right? Like cheating, cheating people and mistresses and, you know, all that kind of gangster kind of. Uh, all of that was coming rushing at me in the movies as you were saying some of those things. And so I just kind of wanted to touch on that. Because it's an element, right? It's an element of how we get Whoa. brainwashed into thinking that to separate us rather than unite us. Yes. I think that, okay, so there's so many different, yeah, you're right. There's so many different directions you could go here. So do I think that culturally women have been pinned against each other, that we are told we're not good and absolutely, like that's a whole, like a whole, that's a deep well, right? There's that part of it, absolutely. But I think the sister wound to start is like generational trauma. I don't, I don't think that it starts there. I think that it's perpetuated with the culture within society. So it's already there. Magazines, well, especially we grew up in the nineties, right? Nineties and eighties. Nineties baby or eighties baby. Yeah. That was like, if you didn't look like when I grew up, Kate Moss was like this icon and she was like literally a heroin addict supermodel who was like, oh wait, like that was the ideal body shape. So then it's like all of that, right? Then it's like, wow, you know, we talk about representation being really important. Well, I up until recently almost 40 years old have never seen my type of look represented ever in media or beauty so then there's that as well so then we also compare ourselves against each other like we're not good enough so it's definitely perpetuated in our culture and the patriarchal system of pinning women against each other and all Mm. of that well thank you for that distinction that's I love that you really pointed that out it's our societal conditioning perpetuates it but you Mm. spoke about where it originates in ancestral trauma and does it start from the mother wound does it start with our relationship to our mom like talk to me about what you believe the start to be and how how that shows up in a woman's life I think that I, I think it's deeper than that as well like I I really feel like it's sent it's something that women have carried for a really long time, probably from like when you look back at the era of like witches. witches. Oh my God. And I feel like that time that women would save themselves oh. and push other women forward as being like doing, I'm getting goosebumps all over. I'm getting like and, huge um, body yeah, so reactions. Like it goes, I, I feel my, I can talk about like what it is for me, like what I consciously am aware of and like in my clients, but I believe that it is, it's, it's such a deep wound and it's been going on for a really long time. And I feel like it just manifests in people's lives in different ways. Oh. Like this is d- way deeper than what I thought we were going to talk about, but do you know what so I'm saying? I, but like we did say that we were going to go deep real quick. So let's just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you were saying that I was getting like full body 
things happening. Yeah. So, so for someone, if they haven't, if they don't know about back then with the witches, can we just talk about that for a second just to kind of give them some context? Because then we, I feel like we can move on from them and move them through. So when you say back in the witches, witches era, like what are you talking about? I'm using that language because that's the language that the patriarchal wants us to use to call us witches, which cut, which has a negative condensation that comes with it. But let's not actually use that language because what I believe is that we are women are the most powerful force ever known to mankind. I believe that our intuition, our gut, our instincts, and if you want to make that stuff witchy poo, go for it. But that's not, I just believe it's just like who we are. Women have like our intuition and our superpower. That is our superpower, our inner knowing. And so long, long ago, that women who were really tapped into that were called witches. And they say we did spells and they hung us and burnt us at the stake. And I believe that that's where women all of a sudden like something that's so innately beautiful and amazing and powerful within us became something that we were ashamed of because we've been taught that that part of ourselves is dark negative wrong and not right when that's not the truth because that's what the man patriarch we're getting so off topic here but this is what the patriarchal has wanted us to think right that that is bad that that's something we should be ashamed of and we are definitely shifting from living in a patriarchal system to like there are more women now connecting back into their superpower, which we all have. Does that answer your question? I feel like I've gone on a tangent. No, that, no, I, we, I wanted to give context to, to that yes. era, but also I wanted to speak a little bit about one of the truths of that time was for where this sort of sisterhood wound originated was women were pitted against each other. They were, they dobbed on one another in order to survive because, yes, right. and so it was kind of, I feel like that was the, breeding ground for how this happened because we were women were split they were you know you were protected if you dobbed on another who you thought was performing magic in air quotations thought that people could yeah. see me but I just wanted to give context around that in case that's, someone was like yeah. what are you that's talking my about interpretation that's what my instincts tell me is that the, at that time funny like I just it's, that's just a knowing for me like it's not like I've researched this time yeah. If this yeah. is just knowing that I, that I believe that women were, you were safe if yeah. you dobbed in and you betrayed your sister. And that's what people did for survival. It doesn't make the woman who did that wrong. Everyone's fighting for their survival. And then also what's really fascinating, I believe that that is the, that is a, such a defining moment in, in our lineage, lineage. Lineage. <laughs> lineage. Thank you. I was like, I were, words is because I feel like that is when living in our feminine was unsafe that like something that was so natural to us became unsafe and this is a defining moment in our history where then women were taught to be more masculine yeah I think that's such a part of the sister wound really it is like and that's why I think so many of us have such a well cultivated masculine but we are getting off topic so talk to me about so the sister wound. So you talk to me from your personal experience, babe. How has this shown up in your life? Well, let's go with the negative first. Let's go what like, you know, before you healed this, before you, you know, you transcended. Talk to me about what that looked like in terms of also the symptoms like in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think I do a lot of work with women and it's actually really it's so shocking and incredibly prevalent how 
many women around my age group are completely disconnected from their mother. They've cut their mother out of their life or they keep their mother at arm's length and they have a quite a toxic relationship. So that, I think the sister wound goes that the sister wounds goes back a very, very long time, but I feel like it manifests in our lives through our relationship with our mother. And not all women, but most women that I'm working with have a strained relationship with their mother. And that is my own experience as well. But I really feel that our story, like with me and my mum, it's so powerful because it's something we have healed where a lot of women who I'm working with are not at that place where they're healing that. So for me, the for all women, our first most important relationship is our relationship with our mother. And when our mothers are unhealed and they have not healed their own sister wound and then they have their own daughter, it manifests for them as well then. Like this is when it really starts to show up and there can be jealousy and envy and bitterness and regret and all these kind of like negative emotions start to develop in the relationship between mother and daughter. And we are all energetic beings. So we feel that, right? Your mother could be cooking for you, cleaning for you, making your bed, like doing all the things that look on paper right, but then energetically there's something wrong. Do you know what I mean? We can feel that. And so that's kind of what it was like for me and my mum. Like my mum was on paper. She was the most amazing mum, and she is the most amazing mum. She was the best mum that she knew how to be. But she had her own stuff that was going on, and and she took that out on me. So I remember being like two or three years old and just really – knowing that that there was something different about my mom. Like I would watch other daughters and mums together and really look at like, oh, wow, that's not how my relationship. So from a really young age, I noticed that my mum was holding herself back with me. She wasn't showing up all of herself in that relationship. And then that turned into her only communicating with me to be when she was angry. So it felt like there's a lot of toxicity, a lot of yelling, a lot of fighting and some pretty like crueler behavior as well, where I didn't understand why I was treated differently to like my brothers. Like it seemed like that relationship was a lot easier. So that's where it started for me. So with my mum, and then you go out to school for me, I was like, then I was going out to school and I think I really wanted to connect to women because I wasn't connecting to my mum. I almost like that was like I really tried hard to connect to women and it just always, I always landed flat on my face. Like the more I tried, I couldn't connect. And so I've got a whole history of like primary school and I used to change schools a lot as well. So every year we would move and I would start a new school, which added another layer of complexity to actually making friends. But I always just remember in school, like I would walk up to my friends who were my friends yesterday and be like, you can't sit here today. We're not friends with you anymore. We don't like you anymore. So this is like when I was younger in primary school. And so not only did I feel like unloved and hurt and betrayed by my mum because there was something missing in that relationship. Then I was going to school trying to like be friends with females and I was the first person to get kicked out. A lot of bullying, a lot of feeling like, oh, women don't like me. So then by the time I think I probably got to high school, I was hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, you're not going to fucking bully me because I'll bully you first, right? So by the time I'm like 13, 14, I had really had a really hard shell. And, but it still happened. I still deeply desired to be loved by women. You know what I mean? I still wanted that connection. 
but I was harder and probably a little bit harder to get. But it was still happening to me, like, all through high school. Like, I've got – it's fascinating how the mind works, and I actually teach this in a lot of my programs, is that whatever you believe is your reality, right? So if you believe that women are unsafe, they will betray you, they'll backstab you, that women are harder to be around, which has totally been my story my whole life, then you're going to go and create that reality for yourself. As new information comes in, the mind will cross-check it against what you already believe, and it will actually delete and distort and information so that it matches whatever you believe. So this is what's really fascinating. I'm going to go here because it's fascinating, but it's deep. So Yes, I have all of this evidence in my life where women have betrayed me. I could tell you a hundred different stories where I've had my heart broken by a woman. And so that's true. And yes, I am the victim to those situations. But the mind is so fascinating that because I believe that and that's so deeply ingrained in like the, my computer system in my mind that women are unsafe, women betray me. Let's say I've got two girls going, hey, Crystal, let's be friends. Let's hang out. Okay, I've got one girl who's sweet and she genuinely likes me and she's going to treat me well and she's going to be a friend for life. I don't even notice that girl. I can't even see her, right? The girl who's going to betray me and and actually do everything that I believe she's going to do because that's what I believe, that's the girl that I'm going to pursue and try hard to be friends with. So that in my life, this is where we've got to take radical responsibility for our shit. Because in my life, I've had plenty of really nice girls try to get my attention, but I couldn't see them. And I probably, they've probably got a story about me being a bitch to them, like dissing them and rejecting them. I couldn't see them because I was like, no, I can only see the woman who's going to hurt me. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes so much sense. And thank you so much for sharing for sharing all of it and all the like complexities and different layers because this shit is fucking layered like and this is why I love these conversations right because through the experiences and through the way people talk about them we can understand the different levels and the way this kind of plays out so thank you so much for sharing that and also I just want to quickly mention if you want to hear more about Crystal and her relationship with her mom please listen to her podcast Crystal Fucking Clear it's amazing get your box of tissues because it's it's fucking phenomenal So now we're at the point where, so when did you realize that you had, so we're talking about, you know, recognizing the, the good, the good girl and the bad girl, I'm going to say, like, that's not the right language to use, but you know, you have these two options and your brain always chooses the one that will reflect your reality. So when did you realize, when did you become conscious? When did you become aware that this was a pattern playing out in your life? And what did that look like in the moment of you realizing that, you know, because it's never fucking nice. It's always messy and it feels, I don't know about you, but it feels heartbreaking. Oh, I, no one has broken my heart more than females have in my life. Like that has been my story. There is just one other thing before I answer that question. You know how I gave the example of like the good girl, do you know what I mean? Like inverted commas there, she's not better or worse or more worthy or any of those things, but What's really fascinating about how the mind works as well, because I was like predispositioned to believing that women were going to betray me and hurt me. I think a lot, like the mind, you really cannot trust what the mind, what you see, right? Because it's filtering through all of your shit and your lens. And so lots of times as well, I can now look back and reflect how I created problems in relationships to make sure that I did get betrayed, that I did feel rejected because that's what I believed was going to happen. Like, so an example of this, let's say like two of my friends go out for dinner, 
And I see that my mind goes straight into creating, this is like years ago, going into creating a story that they're talking about me, that they're going to betray me. That You know what I mean? So I start to create, I, I start to show up in a relationship like that. And then I do create the problem because the two, my friends are like, dude, what is this weird energy you're giving me? Like, what is the issue? So I feel like when I reflect back a lot as well, in probably my older years, like that in between 20 and 30, I did a lot of that where it was like I was unintentionally fighting or creating problems or because I was so paranoid. So therefore I did create the problem that I thought was going to happen. Like I manifested it myself. So there's that element as well, which I think, and this is again, like all of the work I do with women, and with myself has been taking radical responsibility. So to your next question is like, when did I have that awareness? You know, I think I had to take radical responsibility for my life. And at the end of the day, I was the common denominating factor, right? So in my story, I was the victim. And in my podcast, which you'll some people will listen to, I talk about how I played the award-winning role of being the, the Meryl Streep victim of my life. Like I was such a victim. Everyone hurt me. Everyone betrayed me. And there was really no no point where I was taking responsibility for how I was showing up, my energy, my toxic patterns of behavior. And so I think I had probably, oh God, how old was I? I can't actually remember how, around 30, I had someone who was like a sister to me. We were like, she was someone that I really loved and that was the closest that I'd ever let anyone in at that age. And she's probably really the last time I've let someone in that close, to be honest, if I'm being super honest with myself. And we had a huge falling out. It was really toxic. It was toxic on both parts. There was no she was right or I was wrong. It was just, it just turned into this toxic mess. And that was really, really painful. It was like the most painful breakup I've ever been through was with a female, but that's my life. I think at that point I had to go, okay, let go of my righteousness of how I thought what she had done to me, but actually take a deeper look at, okay, how did I shop in this relationship? And the truth was I was toxic too. I was really toxic. Do you know what I mean? I was not showing up in a, in a way that I would show up now in a relationship. So I think you know, you've got to hit rock bottom. That was a moment where at 30, I felt like I was going through something again that I had gone through like hundreds of times before. And again, I felt like I'd lost all my friends, that I was the one on the outs, that I'd been left behind. And it just feeded into all of that stuff. And that's really the moment that I actively went, okay, I need to like, I really need to heal my shit here. Sorry, can I just stop you there and ask you, what were some of the behaviours that you were displaying in that relationship that you labelled toxic? Like, I just want to give to some context yeah, around what those question. look like in case someone's listening and thinking, fuck, this is a pattern that I have. Is this me? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the main thing for me was like competitiveness. So like in that relationship, being super competitive and always wanting to like, I don't know, like do better, be better. Like there was this underlying thing. It has nothing to do with this person. I was so insecure. I had, I had no worth. I had, I was filled with self-loathing and self-hatred. Also jealousy, like being jealous. It wasn't actually jealousy. That's probably not the right word. Has there been jealous tendencies in my life with women? Absolutely. But in this, it was more, it wasn't jealousy of her as a person. It was more like if they were like spending time with somebody else, you know what I mean? Like, so feeling that like, oh, I'm not wanted, that those older beliefs coming up. 
I just think those yeah. those thoughts and those patterns are really helpful to like understand like oh this is how it feels and that's how it plays out do you know what I mean yeah. like when you're in the thick of it when you're in the mess sometimes you just can't see the forest for the trees right oh 100% oh I couldn't see this it took me a long time to see this I didn't want to see it in myself right it was easier to believe that I was the victim and she was the villain and like I think that we both had these tendencies what I was feeling and projecting I think she was also doing that to me that's why it was no one was no one was wrong or right or bad or good it just was it was just toxic together but I think as well the other thing was being mean do I mean like cutting people down right because I had such low self-worth so they're trying to rise like cutting them down right but then also like the flip side of that is I was the underdog in a lot of my I was going I just come out of a really toxic relationship which I get in my podcast I was I was broken at this point as well and what was really interesting I think a lot of people in my friendship group were so used to me being the underdog the broken version of me that needed like everyone's support that what I noticed is on my come up meeting Bruce, my fiance, and then kind of like actually like feeling really good about myself. People didn't like that as well. There's like an energy shift because people definitely like you to stay in whatever box that they're, they're comfortable with you being in, which is really interesting with women, right? Which is something we both need to, we all need to heal is we're comfortable with our friends doing good, just not as good as us. And I've noticed this in females with me and I've noticed that in myself with females so I'm not exempt from this do you know what I mean like I've noticed women treat me differently when I'm on my come up versus me being the victim but I've also seen myself have that toxic trait so I think we all do it's just we've got to own it totally and the thing that's coming to me I love that you said that like it really changes the relationship dynamics and this happens you know whenever you're healing anything can happen I see it a lot in family family dynamics you know you were a certain way growing up you were a certain way in your household you know what's that (laughs) there's like a is it a Buddha saying or something it's like you think you're you think you're healed you think you're all love and light go home to your family home like walk into your parents (laughs) house like because you just go back to like you know so I love that you brought that up because it is such an important part and also like not to be prepared for it but like but give people grace and space in that right like when you're when you're changing when you're healing you have to give other people the grace and the space to like get used to this new version of you right like because you are changing the dynamics and they're like hold on this isn't the way that this normally works this isn't the pattern that we normally play out like and so it's foreign and and therefore scary for them at times as well and so I think that's a part of healing and overcoming trauma and all that kind of stuff that people don't often talk about they don't talk about the 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 fringe stuff that happens in in those dynamics you know that can be that can really that stuff can really throw you off you know like you said like when you're in your come up or when you're when you're when you're changing those dynamics and they're kind of like oh shit I'm on unsteady ground now I don't know how to respond to you in this in this now the problem with that is is that we're not we're having a very conscious conversation right but when you're in that situation like if I look back to that particular friendship, like we weren't thinking that clearly, like, cause you're, we're all whole, our ego is driving us. We're holding on to our righteousness of no, but they did X and she did that. Do you know what I mean? Versus looking at, hold on a second. There was no self-awareness. Like, I don't think I definitely wasn't going, Oh my God, I am not being very nice. You know what I mean? Like when I can take a jab, I'm taking a jab. I couldn't see that in myself. And I'm sure my friend 
which wasn't saying, oh, Crystal's doing pretty well and I maybe I'm cutting her down a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Trying to keep her small. Like we weren't able to see that in the moment. Like I think you have to take time to reflect. And I'm really proud of myself because I have reflected. I can look, I've looked at all of the parts of myself that I didn't like and I, you know, I do my best to actively work on them and I have compassion because I can see where it comes from, why I respond that way. I guess I do this work because I want to help more women have that self-awareness because I don't know if, you know, there are lots of women that uh, who, who I've had issues with in my past who have hurt me, who have never acknowledged that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I feel like I try to acknowledge the things that I have done that I've done wrong. And I think that that's really freeing. Yeah. But I think we're so attached to like holding on to know, but they did this. So yeah. therefore my response to that was valid versus going like, how can we, how can we all grow and heal together? Yeah. And like, I, re- I really see it like cleaning up the energy, like you owning that and, and speaking to it and, you know, and both sides of it too, it really fucking cleans up the energy. Okay, so you're at the point where you're in awareness. You're in awareness that this is a pattern playing out. What is what is the next, you know, I don't know how many years, what does the next little while look like? How did how did the process of of cleaning up the energy, how did the process of healing the sister wound, how did the process of welcoming home your divine femininity look like for Crystal? Wow, it's such a journey. Like it's something I'm a journey I'm still on. Like I, I, wow, that's a great question. And the truth is, I have awareness now, right? So I always teach like you cannot change what you are not aware of. So for a long time, like this was such deeply unconscious behavior that I couldn't see myself. And I was blaming everyone else. So I wasn't taking any responsibility for my part. So I, the first step was actually like letting go of of what I think somebody had done to me and coming back to self, what had I done? What did I need to take responsibility for? What behaviours? And so a big part of the work I've done on myself and with women is like I always say like you are the only thing that you're in control of is how you think, how you feel, how you react and respond. And so before I was someone who was like defensive, like I was defensive, I had no control over my emotions, like like a tornado entering a room constantly. And so I had to work on, hold on, I get to choose what I think. I get to choose how I speak. I get to choose how I respond and how I react. And so having awareness of the things I wanted to change and then actively working on taking back control of my emotional response. Mm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, That feels like, it's so easy to say the words though, but fuck, that's so messy. Oh, like, yeah. Can you give us oh. some more context around like, I don't know, like even to this day, like, fuck man, like letting my emotions be and taking control of my emotions and responding rather than reacting is, that is work, man, that's, still to yeah, this so, day. So yeah. what does that look like for you? Uh, you know, you know, even now, like, it's funny, like I, but that friendship break, it was like a big pivotal moment, right? I, I can look back now because I think it's probably been like, maybe, I don't know. I can't even remember. Like, let's say eight or 10 years, right? It's been a long time, maybe even 12 years. It's been a long, long time. If I look at in that time, I noticed that 
I don't really have a lot of close girlfriends. You know what I mean? Like I have, I'm very, like I still, so I can still see within myself how there's so much more room for me to like open my heart up to women and, and change this story. And so definitely I have like, you know, girlfriends that I'm close to, but it's, it's not, I don't feel as free with women as I could be. So it's still something that I'm like actively working on. And which is so interesting, right? Because what do I do? I work with women. It's in an environment that I get to control, right? So it's like I get this connect, these beautiful connections with women. I get to like impact their lives and they impact my lives, but I'm the one in control of like the situation. So it's quite interesting. That's why it's amazing to talk about this because, you know, I believe, I truly believe that when we go through something in life, it's because we're meant to get to the other side of it. It's the only reason. Otherwise, why would we go through the shitty things we go through is to like get to the other side so then we can teach and lead and help others. And so like when I look at my life with women, I'm like, wow, I was really meant to work with women. Like I was really meant to do this healing work with women because it's been my whole life. So back to just that question about like it's still showing up. Like just recently, but now I've got an awareness. So now it's, I will notice I'm having an emotional response. Like this is random, but you know, I saw someone getting celebrated like on Instagram. Right. And I don't know this person, but we have like, you know, we're in a similar crowd and I saw them just like everyone celebrating her, which was beautiful. And, and I celebrated her, but then I felt the little girl in me go, why doesn't anyone ever sh- like scream and shout for me? Why doesn't en- like, I never feel like my peers, women, female peers ever really like celebrate me, but it's such a lie. It's this old lie, this old story that I tell myself. I might be able to find evidence of that not happening, but my inbox is filled with people messaging me, telling me the impact they've made in their life. But here's how the crazy the mind works is that I'm programmed to dismiss that mm-hmm. and only look at where I'm not receiving praise and, and love where I, you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. so now yeah. has it completely changed? Has I completely healed it? No, this is like such a deep wound. This is like, I don't know if I'll ever, ever fully get to, you know, fully healing this wound it's here teaching me so much. Yeah. Thank you for that. And thank you for just like your radical honesty. Like I so appreciate the transparency that you've like just shared with us and about all those different layers and that it's like, I don't know, the big message also is like, it's okay to be where you're at. Like, you know, I think with this whole I don't know, this is probably like a whole nother podcast topic, but I think with this whole like personal development, like, you know, movement that happens, we feel like we still have to arrive at this destination where we're healed and where we're done and where we're like the best version of ourselves. And that's just like, I love having these conversations because it constantly reminds me that like we're, we'll never arrive. We're always yeah. in the process of healing and there's always going to be something else coming up, like, yeah. you know. <laughs> the great quote that I always say, it's, it's, I, I mean, it's not the right words. That's the only quote I know. If anyone knows a better one, let me know. But it's new level, new devil, right? Yeah. So with every level that you you get, like every breakthrough you get, what the, the, the kind of like the torturous journey of healing is like you break through the level and you're like, oh, ah, yes, I can breathe. Like, yes. And then you realize, hold on, there's a whole nother like layer of shit that I need to work through. Yeah. And so I always say that there is no, it's, there's no destination. It's a journey. It's a journey yeah. of life. And so I don't think, yeah, I don't think we, I don't think our wounds are ever meant to be like fully healed. They're wounds. They're this, they've, they've taught us so much. I think it's about 
the reflecting in and the awareness and the understanding because my sister wound can still get triggered, right? Mm-hmm. I might get up here and see something on social media and be like, yeah. oh, the little girl in me is so sad for herself, right? Yeah. But now I, it's like, Oh, I send that person love because yeah. I know not about them. So I send them love and then I, I, I always go inward. So it's about yeah. why is this coming up for me? Where, where, why, why am I having this emotional response? And then I work through it. So now I can work through things within an hour, do you know yes. what I mean? Like a day. Whereas before I might spend three months focusing on one thing that happened. So it's about how quickly I'm able to process the things, because the things still come up that are going to hurt us. You know what I mean? That's life. We're meant to feel a range of emotions, but it's how long you choose to sit in it. Yes. And I think that's such an important thing. And I was reminded of that as well this morning. Like I do this thing with one of my besties where we like have this boxer thing. We say three things that we're thankful for, three things that we're bringing in, three things that we're celebrating. And I was like, literally one of the things was like celebrating myself and all the healing I've done. And the fact that I can be in a funky space but send myself love and compassion and forgiveness for being in that place. Whereas like, oh, two years ago, Nikki used to sit there for a fucking week. And like, you know, whereas now it's like, yeah, it can take me a day or, and just the amount of self love I have around myself in those moments is so radically different from, mm-hmm. you know, where I used to be. So mm-hmm. for people playing along at home, for someone who is listening and thinking, mm, yeah, she's really, I resonate with a lot of what Crystal's saying and I feel like this could be something that I need to look at. What, if you could give them just one tool to use, one process to sort of, that they can hold themselves and take themselves through, what would be something that you would offer them that they can do themselves now? I think what's really powerful is putting pen to paper. And so for me, like I do a lot of journaling in my mind, right? Like I do a lot, I, I do a lot here. So for me, pen to paper isn't always the powerful, but for some people that's the really powerful process. So however you want to do it. So I think in the moment, whenever you're having like a big emotional response, especially if it's like a below the line emotional response where you're like sitting in a lot of like jealousy, envy, fear, anger, unworthiness, knowing that this is your stuff, right? That's being projected, right? And so asking yourself, like, what do you need? Like, what, why is this coming up? Like, what, and just getting the awareness, I think that's really important. Cause I think a lot of people have like negative emotions come up and they just get angry and they project and they don't ever just like stop and ask themselves, like, why is this coming up? What do I need to know right now? Like, what can I work through? What can I do? Like, the truth is, the only person who knows any of those answers is you. And so reconnecting back to yourself and creating space to honour what's coming up, but also ask yourself, how can you move through it? I mean, that's really all that I do. Obviously, there's so many different courses or programs or modalities that you can use to help you. But if in the moment, if this stuff is coming up, it's confronting it. Yeah. Versus I always say like there are two types of people. The person who hasn't done any work on themselves, they indulge, right? A negative emotion and anger comes up. So they, they sit in it. They play in it. They, they like, oh, they're righteous. Like I get to be angry. I get to feel this way. So that's someone who's done no work on themselves, right? Someone who's done work on themselves explores it. Okay. So they explore the anger. Why is it coming up? What do I need to do to move through this? And they, they have enough awareness and love for themselves that they don't want to sit in anger 
right? So you're, you're no longer operating from your ego telling you that, well, she's done this. So you're allowed to feel this. You're operating from a place of like, what does my highest good want me to do? She wants me to feel love. She wants me to be held, like whatever that is. So it's exploring it is a really powerful thing. Because mm. when you explore it, you get to the root cause and you can move through it. When Absolutely. you adult and you play, you just make it worse. Yeah. Like that saying, like, you know, when people like they wake up in the morning and they miss their alarm, then the kids won't get up. So like, it's like one thing. Then it's like, oh, they get every red, red light. Then they walk into their office and they stub their toe. Right. And they're like, for fuck's sake, like, oh, excuse me. Like, and then you're just like, what the fuck is going on today? Like, and, it, and it's like, and they make it's everyone else's fault. It's everyone else's fault. And you're angry because you're angry and you're projecting it. It's everyone else's fault rather than going, huh, I slept in. I didn't prepare. Like, you know what I mean? Not taking any responsibility and it's in the taking responsibility that you actually set yourself free, mm-hmm. but people are so scared to. Mm-hmm. Like there's a part of me doing this podcast, right? A little voice, faint, faint voice who's saying, don't say this about that girl because then she'll think that she was right and you were the problem. <laughs> I heard that voice and I was like, are you fucking serious? You don't waste too much work. You know what I mean? Because there's a part of me still, this righteous part of me yeah. that doesn't want to give her the satisfaction yeah. that I'm taking any responsibility because in me taking responsibility, my ego tells me that that means that she's going to think she was right and that I'm to blame. Right? It's such mm. bullshit. It is such bullshit. And I'm just so glad, grateful again for your transparency. Like this happens to all of yeah. us, no matter how much work we've done, you know, no matter how fucking pretty it looks on Instagram, yeah. it's all of us. A random question that came up when you were talking about the processing. I love journaling, by the way. And I love that asking yourself questions because I feel like the more you do it, I remember when I first sat front in front of my journal or like I like to do it on Voxer as well, like or voice, you know, like I, I'm a talker, right? I'm an out, I'm an audible person. And sometimes things just riffing that out to myself to not to the ether is really good for me but first of all when I first started journaling I remember asking myself questions and like nothing would come and I'd be like oh my god what's going on and it took me ages to like really hone that process and trust that that guidance that would come up and answer those questions and just go with it rather than again the ego going no don't say that or that's shit or that's like that's just your inner voice like it took ages for me to cultivate that relationship with myself and then trust it to be able to work it out myself to be able to like oh awesome I'm empty now I can do it in like one page whereas it used to take me pages and pages like you know on ages so um I just wanted to like touch on that and also this random question that came up it's kind of been like percolating around and I'd love to hear your take on it. You know, people always talk about, and you, we, we've talked about it a little bit here, like holding your inner child and to speaking to your inner child and that kind of thing. What do you say to holding your inner teenager, to speaking to your inner teenager? You know, I think there's this like transition that happens between child and adult and sometimes, you know, we can we can hold our child a lot. We can go back to when, you know, our childhood and six-year-old self or four-year-old self or three-year-old self or whatever it is. But I don't know that I've ever really dived much into holding my teenage self. Do you mm-hmm. think there's any merit in that? Have you done any of that? What's like what's coming up for you as I say that? It's so, so interesting because, yeah, you don't hear a lot of people talk about it. And maybe that's because it's just a language like your inner child work. Like maybe we just interpret that as being like, you know, five years old or six years old. I think it depends on your own personal experience. Like for me, my teenage years were like, they were the hardest years of my life. Do you know what I mean? And funnily enough, like season two of my podcast, that's where I'm going. 
it's really for women and where I'm going with it. It's like, it's like that journey into womanhood. Like how did I become the woman I am now and let like all the things that happen along the way. So I definitely think there's merit in healing that inner teenager because I feel like this is where uh, the shame that women carry, it's created in those, those like adolescent years. Mm. I know that's where it's created mm. for me. So yeah, I definitely think there's merit in it. I think that everyone has a different process in how they heal and deal with stuff. So I know for me, my podcast has been a huge part of my healing process. It's like, whoa, all of these things that I've carried shame about and I'm realizing now you know, I'm at 38. Wow. These are never, this is never the shame that I was meant to carry these things that I've been carrying my whole life and making myself wrong for. So for me, it's, I'm a, human design manifester is to inform. I just got to tell people, right? Which is so me. I just need to tell people how I'm feeling. It's so funny, like with friendships throughout the years, like if we have a problem, I just need, let's like, let's talk about it. Like, let's just get it out and over with. And the hardest thing in life was when people like, they want to take three weeks to sit in the emotion of what happened. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? Let's just talk about it so we can release ourselves of it, which is so my human design. So for me, it's informing. And that's what the podcast I'm doing with your help. You know, I couldn't have done the podcast without you has been amazing is sharing my story because I really believe there's my life is about turning my pain into power. And that's what I help women do. Turn your pain into your power, turn your mess into your magic. Like that is what I do. And so that's kind of the journey that I take people on. So I think teenage years for me were like super traumatic. It's time for me to tell those stories Mm. and to, I think it's going to be really powerful for a lot of people listening about who have also had a lot of stuff happen in their teenage years and know that, oh, wow, you're not, I'm not alone. Like, you know what I mean? Like we all went through really shitty oh, hard times. Huge. And it's funny that like this is, I don't know, like, but yeah, I've been in the ethers of my mind for a while. I was like, I saw a reel because I actually, <laughs> so I've done it, but I saw a reel, you know, those reels where they're like the, the T-Rex, like rah, and then there's another like rah. And this guy did like a, you know, my inner child and it was rah. And then his inner teenager was like rah. And I was like, whoa. And that really brought it to my consciousness. Cause I was like, yeah. I've, you know, I've done a lot of work with my inner child, but I haven't really held my inner teenager a lot. And it is really that fucking transition, man, from kid to adult, especially mm-hmm. as a woman, I think like, and I don't know about you, Crystal, but I'm like, a, I'm a big, tall, big woman, right? Like I am, I am here. You cannot fucking miss me. I'm not petite and little. So it was really not that I felt older than I was, but I think boys paid attention a lot earlier or, you know, and so that was challenging for me because my mind I don't think was there as much as my body was and so that was yeah anyway that's some stuff I need to dive into myself stop talking to you (laughs) not editing every single episode you're gonna get so much out of season two because like when I it's all been like downloading I spent a lot of time up here like I do a lot of work in my mind just me and my mind right and I'm like it's all been percolating I know what I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about you know being promiscuous sex like guys like your first sexual experience experiences feeling like for me like one of the big things like thinking that like because I was so desperately wanted love and attention right like if you especially with I wasn't getting it from women but I could get attention from guys from a really like younger age way before I was ready I thought that that meant if a guy is paying you attention that means he likes you and then if you do other things with him that's love right? Like there's this huge mix up. And I think a lot of women hold shame around that. So I'm going to love season two because I I feel it's about, it's a journey, my journey to womanhood. 
yeah. and like all the things that I that I've gone through, which are just not my story. I think they're the story of like so many women. So I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah, well, those common threads. I am excited. It'll be a healing for me. You work with women doing incredible things, healing transformation, turning their pain into their power. So how can we work with you if we want to? Yeah, there's so many different like levels to work with me. I do lots of like mini experiences that I have like high level mentorship and coaching. So the best thing to do is go to my website, which is www.crystalwilson.com. And just, yeah, read the website, fill into the words. There's like a whole page of like what she said, testimonials. There's a whole page of all my different offerings. And yeah, you can email me as well at crystal at crystalwilson.com. Beautiful. And where can we find you on the socials if we want to digitally hang out and kind of stalk yes, you and, and see in your world for a while? That's the best thing to do, right? I To get a feel of someone. So it's underscore crystal Wilson underscore. Beautiful. Where you can come hang out with me. I spend a lot of time on stories. If you want to get a feel and get to know me, come hang out. I love it. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I have adored this conversation. So good. I appreciate it. Loved it. As always, thanks so much for listening today. And if anything here landed in your soul feels, please share with the people that you love because the more hearts and ears this gets into, the better. If you want more conversation like this, then head over to the Quintessential Being by Nikki Facebook or Instagram page. I would love to see you there. Till next time, big love.